I'm Orlin Pilas. And I'm Ricardo Deacon. And welcome to The Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to recommend a film the other has not seen, we watch it and then we meet to discuss it. This week's film... <laughs> Before we start, I just want to say that usually I am the person that brings the sheet with the names and the synopsis. You are always the person that brings yes, the sheet. It's uh, the one thing you do. <laughs> that's the one thing that I do. I watch the movies and I waffle about them. But for this one, just to give you a build up because Orla has not read the synopsis yet... I uh, just want to say that it is one of the worst synopsis Whoa, I've ever read. Really? That's and, a strong statement. Yeah, and I put it on because it's so bad that it oh, is funny. Oh, I'm excited now. I just have to get through the 40 names that there are here <laughs> for a movie with no sound. Yeah, <laughs> screenplay by five people. <sighs> okay. This week's movie is The General from 1926. Hello, Roaring Twenties. <coughs> Directed by Clyde Brookman and Buster Keaton. Produced by Joseph Schenk and Buster Keaton. Screenplay by Al Bosberg, Clyde Brookman, Buster Keaton, Charles Henry Smith and Paul Gerard Smith. Based on The Great Locomotive Chase by William Pittinger. Starring Buster Keaton and Marion Mack. Music by Carl Davis, Robert Israel, Badim Jam. Joe Hasashi, Timothy Brock, and Angeline Fonda. Cinematography by Bert Haynes and Devereux Jennings. Edited by Buster Keaton and Sherman Kell. Well, so Buster much- Keaton has a hand in all the pies. Yeah, well, along with an awful lot of other people. <laughs> and the synopsis is... One of the most revered comedies of the silent era, this film finds hapless Southern Railroad engineer Johnny Gray facing off against Union soldiers during the American Civil War. When Johnny's fiancée, Annabelle Lee, is accidentally taken away while on a train stolen by Northern forces, Gray pursues the soldiers using various modes of transportation in comic action scenes that highlights that highlight Keaton's boundless wit and dexterity. <laughs> dexterity. There's no why. Why? <laughs> Pointless what Um I mean, I suppose that's what the movie's about. Yeah, but it's more like a review of the movie than anything else. Uh, well, this movie was picked by Ricardo. Ricardo, why did you pick this movie? Well, for one, I wanted to do a silent movie for ages because it is such a big part of the origins of cinema mm. as a popular form and as a an narrative uh, form and i was for ages trying to uh pick one and that's why it took so long to for this episode to come about because there's so many great movies but at the same time it's not like the type of movie that you want to be watching every week mm. uh etc like it, like that we did mention some w uh, dw griffith and, yeah, et cetera, and the, the problems episode. therein but um, I picked this over Chaplin as well because I prefer Buster Keaton as a filmmaker than Chaplin. Chaplin was, uh, in a way, something that was a huge problem, especially in silent comedies at the time, is this winking at the audience kind mm. of idea that even the Marx Brothers did a bit. That anytime that anything hap- funny happened, it's almost a... He's kind of like, a mug eh, face. Eh, eh, eh. Yeah. Well, Buster Keaton is kind of a, a 1920s version of Bill Murray. This deadpan <laughs> oh idea my God, of, yes. <laughs> of uh, that everything is funny. And it's even funnier because it's not... Nothing of the uh, the funny points are really lingered upon. Mm. The The... 
the gags just happen and it's like the character actually exists because he's a serious man mm. and a serious world he's serious but, business yeah and he's, he has to get that train back he's serious about what he's doing it's just everything that he does is so fucking feckless that <laughs> it is amazing but it's also like a show of how it took like how much of a genius buster keaton was to make mm. this movie in 1926 that even Chaplin is great, but his films you have to watch within the context of that era. When this movie, for one, Buster Keaton was famous for having very little dialogue in parentheses in Mm. his films. That most of their films of that era had something like 30 or 40% of the film was just text on Mm, the screen. There's very little in this. Yeah, and because he doesn't need it. he Even in scenes when people are talking, he... Like unless he needs to purvey exactly the what the dialogue is for plot reasons, mm. he uh, doesn't uh, put the text on screen. Like there, because the characters and the the actual disposition of the characters and how the scene is shot gives you the meaning of what the words are being said. Yeah. So I think that's genius, and also like the idea of having a movie that there's for one is two really long chasings more than anything. Mm. But also for that time, for so much intercutting between environments and scenes and everything that it's so modern. It has aged so well as a film. There's just so much in it. Yeah, and it (laughs) has so much from character base and from like historical context to talk about. And the idea both of when the film was made and also the period of history, the America uh, the period of America that this movie encompasses and also the performances, the characters that is one of the few films that also has like of that era that is not just a damsel in distress kind of movie. Mm. She gets yeah, as she, many laughs. She doesn't as... get tied to the train tracks, yeah. which I was very disappointed about because yeah, I was just but... waiting for that to happen. <laughs> like especially a film that is entirely like in train scene. I know. <laughs> I was it... robbed. All the, the, the gags is like I think it is a truly hilarious movie, like in the slapstick fashion that you can see the repercussions of this style throughout, especially in modern terms with somebody like Wes Anderson, that mm. it's clearly... Oh, God, a yes. Big, it's no coincidence that Wes Anderson found a uh, kind of a likeness of mind with Bill Murray because it's the deadpan of Buster Keaton. Yeah. And it's the sad joker kind of idea and it's so sad that buster keaton like so many people say that they buster keaton wasn't able to transition to sound Mm. because of his skills but the true reality of it is that when the his contract ended at the same time as sound came in and he gave away in his new contract for more money to produce movies his liberty on how to produce movies Mm. so he was never able well didn't this also bomb at the time like this made yes and no it's kind of like the it bombed compared to movies like chaplin but Mm. also is the fact that his movies cost because he was never even at his uh, height he was never as big as chaplin is what film critics always said that his films did more than chaplin's film with a lot less Mm. like this movie would have cost a lot less than cd lights and the great dictator whatever but the production values are so massive in the same way Mm. mainly because of the The, way that he's able to (laughs) the train scene and also the the way that he was able to throw himself at uh, gags and action scene that he did all his own stunts but also that he has this 
obsession with perfection. Mm. So not only the gags are funny, they're cinematically perfect in composition of where they are on screen. For example, when the, they're throwing shit to obstruct the railroad oh, track. Oh, God, and he's so just funny. But it's perfectly stuff. centered, like the shot yeah, is perfect. Yeah, how things are moving and it was shot after but shot But there's after a rhythm shot. as well to everything that's happening. Like everything feels like choreographed in a way. Yeah. Like in the way of, um, um, like, oh God, what was the modern example I was thinking of? Uh, where everything is just so perfectly placed and timed and but like also while everything is moving yeah it's so like as they they things are getting thrown they're picking them up in perfect sequence like it's it's incredible it, it is the the shortest film that we've done as well running about 75 minutes uh, uh i think that but there's a lot to unpack within the the film itself but i wanted to also to bring to attention the the idea of silent film and knowing that uh, I've seen fucking way too many silent films, mm. even bad ones, because there was a period of my life that I was just interested in the in the beginnings of cinema, how tropes were developed, etc. And uh, knowing that you're not as familiar with those, like, mm, no, uh, wondering shamefully about them, not, yeah. I was wondering how uh, far you would take, because even something like The Artist is so, uh, like, so in your face in the way this is a silent movie mm. well silent movies were just movies the at artist, the time the artist is very acting you know yeah. everything's very performance and you know what i mean like it doesn't feel like it's just uh, it it feels like they're playing up the whole silent yeah. thing rather than you know like in the way that keaton seems to have a real mastery of it because it was at that time all they had and also because he was the master of it like the, he was the only person that i think that for one Chaplin was great, don't get me wrong. Mm. And so was W.C. Fields at the time. But W.C. Fields was more like a performer than a, a director as well. Like Chaplin is the, the great comparison because they were both the they were the driving force behind their films. They weren't uh, tied to anybody else because they came up with the films, they directed them, they edited them, they starred in them. Starred yeah. in them. But it's the, Chaplin's films are very much of their time while... Uh, like you see Keaton and it's so much more realistic in a way and it hasn't aged as bad because of even though he changed his way of making films around the early 20s that uh, originally his idea of film is that anything that was outside the screen uh, didn't exist so you had gags like the a train will go by and he'd be frightened mm. at that moment but because the audience couldn't hear the train coming yeah but then he started developing the idea of realism that like no that's a cheap joke because in real life that guy wouldn't have been frightened by a train going by because he would have heard it yeah <laughs> this locomotive yeah, like for miles the, and miles the, away past the kind of trope of that like in the movie everything is silent as well kind of thing where it's like you know that because there's a bit of that in this where he doesn't hear things that are going on in the yeah. background like where they're like retreating and shit and it's like he's just like doo, doo, doo. but I, I think it's more like in this is that his character is so uh, his focus is so single-minded well, yeah, into yeah. things that like even uh, when he boards the people like time and time again in this movie is that kind of thing that he thinks yeah I am on the right track like when <laughs> he leaves the soldiers behind and everything 
and the, it just the logistics film is that we always appreciate like Hitchcock and all these other directors about spatial awareness and time awareness mm. and like linking three or four scenes together and here's Keaton doing it like nobody's business in the 20s <laughs> yeah uh, without like the the forethought of actually having seen how this shit worked mm. and the, even like in films that are uh, malign I think one of them wrongfully maligned that is the uh the lone ranger remake uh with army hammer and johnny Depp, mm. which i thought that it was quite an enjoyable picture but the end is a clear homage of <laughs> of this film in particular and i just wanted to like uh, have a conversation about silent film and also about buster keaton because he's one of my favorites and also highlight the fact that there is a really 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 great episode of uh the um next picture show no um the dollop no the fuck uh the oh the youtube fucking this oh is, uh, uh, the, my every name. frame of painting yeah every frame of painting <laughs> about buster keaton that uh, i uh, advise everybody to watch because it's great and i missed every frame of painting now that yeah. he hasn't released an episode in about a year i think he stopped now though yeah, yeah. Uh, so i'd rather that though than him make some par ones because they clearly were such labors of love you know what I mean? Like in a way that cinemacies often aren't. Like he really, really like the production values, everything about them. Like they were beautifully made. Yeah, it would have taken ages to to go. But like the arguments that he makes <laughs> about Buster Keaton are fantastic, and like uh, it gave me like I actually rewatch after watching that episode of Every Frame of Painting and rewatched a few Buster Keaton films that I had already seen. But it gave me a newfound appreciation for him. But. Mm. I think that uh, when I watched this in particular, there was uh, two or three films as well within Buster <laughs> Keaton that was uh, like Sherlock Jr. is amazing. And they're funnier films than the, than this. But I thought that this is his most accomplished film. Mm. And also considering that is his most prestigious and famous film, that would be uh, the film to choose. And maybe like in the life of the podcast, pick another film. But uh, but Stay tuned. <laughs> considering as well the 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 breadth of silent film and how uh, few of those we will do in the history of the podcast, I think that maybe picking two of Buster Keaton's would be at the service to that era of filmmaking. Mm. But as a final point, before I ask you what you felt of the movie, is uh, I always found really interesting. The Buster Keaton was born the year the filmmaking the filmmaking was born. Oh. So there's this correlation between the two of them and the birth of cinema and everything that I always found really interesting that they mm. both grew together literally, and uh, he came from like vaudeville, didn't he? Like his family, yeah, like was... uh, like all of them did, like yeah. uh, but, and him and W. C. Field uh, from uh, grew up uh, from uh, very uh, youthful, like young age being engaged in vaudeville and had very tough upbringings and i think that that uh, informed uh keaton's view of the world and also his deadpan and also always uh, being focused on the loser mm. that he's never played the hero but his idea was that the tramp like his argument against chaplin when they asked him later on is that the tramp was always the trump that he beyond the like the kid that he's in love with or the no, the kid that he's in love with, the kid that he loves mm. in the kid or the woman that he's in love with in another film or whatever he always uh, 
jump over somebody else's back for his own benefit mm. while Buster Keaton's characters were always involved uh, like with a real sense of kindness and love for others rather than their own self-service yeah and I thought that that was important and uh, the last thing that I was going to say is that like I said uh, Buster Keaton had a terrible time after Talkies came in mm. but like his last film was a collaboration with Samuel Beckett which is fucking insane. What? For in the sixties, like it's like he finished it like oh, about two weird. months before he died, and it is the weirdest movie of okay, all time. Okay, I really want to see and that. It's so interesting. That is really strange. Uh, I just wanted to put it out there. Because two people that I don't even think of, like you know, when two people have a crossover, and you're like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. And as well, it's like silent fucking. But at the same time, when you think about it, the crossover was already there. And what is his and voice like? Sorry? What is his voice like? It's really gravelly, but at the same time, is that I've only heard Buster Keaton like in the f- like after the 40s. Yeah. And he smoked like a yeah, trooper. Well. It's like he turned into Tom Waits kind of thing. Yeah. Um, oh, there's definitely, there must be earlier recordings or whatever, but. Yeah, like. Uh, the, the view- he is fascinating. Like, I really, I want, I want to find like early interviews of him. Now, yeah, you know? old Buster Keaton looks like he's wearing old people's makeup from the <laughs> era, you know, that kind of stretchy yeah, kind of yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> Like, he aged like a person <laughs> in a movie. <laughs> yeah, but uh, without further ado, uh, what did you think of the general? <laughs> um, okay, well, first of all, um, I accidentally watched the wrong version of this. Um, I watched like the super long. I don't know, like why it's longer or why? Because I did not watch the seventy-seven minute one. I watched one that's much longer than that. I did not realize this until I got about halfway through it, and I was like wait why is what because it was like weirdly gapped and dragging in the middle and i was like what is going on also the quality wasn't amazing so i stopped it and i was like right hold on a minute i need to reassess this because this is not because i didn't even think about it i just like you know because you said like oh it's on youtube whatever blah 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 uh you know it's on youtube like whatever and i was like oh grand so it was like the first 1926 yeah okay i know i'm just making sure (laughs) um uh, yes, you know, it's on YouTube, so Grant. So I was like, yep, that looks like it's Grant Caldy. Threw it on Grant. And then I was like, no, wait, this is not the right version. Um, it has the wrong music as well. Yeah, it like. does. So I had to like stop and basically, I didn't start it again because I didn't have time to watch yeah. the whole thing again. So it ended up being a bit kind of fractured yeah. for me. So I do want to say at the start that like one thing I really want to do is watch this again hope like preferably in a cinema or on a projector or something because I feel like there's a lot of things that I missed like in the way of um, wait you watched the entire thing like did you watch from where that stopped with well, the I went one? back a bit but I didn't watch the whole thing in, in proper quality yeah. with the proper music and the proper length so I was a little bit it was felt a little fractured it didn't, it didn't completely um, so I I'm feel like I'm so disappointed no I know I was disappointed as well. I didn't have the time to remedy it properly and I was actually really annoyed about it because I when I found the real quality then I was like for fuck's sake but part of the reason is because I feel like I missed a lot of things and the way that you do like even for something like um, it happened one night or something where the dialogue and the jokes are so quick and like so much of what's going on in the frame is stuff he's doing that you don't even notice because it's just happening you know what I mean and you're like wait what so I 100% want to go back and uh, and rewatch it um, properly but uh, that said I did really enjoy oh thank god yeah yeah no (laughs) Uh, what actually though like what's quite funny about this is that this is build is like oh it's the funniest movie ever the thing is that like it's not laugh out loud funny really yeah like it's not like it's it's that's why i did say that it's yeah, not his yeah, funniest no, film it's but not. it's his best but i don't think that's a bad 
bad thing. I think once I kind of got over that, um, I was kind of like really get into the idea of him himself because I've never actually seen any of his movies. I've only seen, I kept seeing things and being like, oh, seen that, seen that, seen that, you know, because they're so famous, but I've never seen a whole lot of his movies. So I don't really have a connection to him at all. Um, But like, yeah, it's so funny because like the comedy, it almost feels like secondary to like just his ingenuity. You know, like, like this is just, it's an absolute fucking treat. You know, it's just like, oh, Jesus. Like, it's a constant stream of how the fuck did they do that? You know, like, just, and the fact that knowing that this is all practical, knowing that he did it, knowing that they're actual trains, knowing that they're like in outdoors, like they're on location doing all this stuff. And it's just... And it's so quick. Like it's can't like everything I'm so saying about like um choreographed, and that sounds bad. But like one of the things I really thought of was um was Renoir and uh and uh what do you call it? Um The Rules of the Game. The rules of the game. And like the way that it seems so simple, but it's not. And you're watching it and it's if like it were so simple. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've got to stop making jokes that call back to conversations we were having before we start recording because <laughs> we just look like assholes <laughs> in joke um, yeah <laughs> um, but yeah it's like de- it's almost like deceptive because you, you think you're just like oh like he's so funny it's like it's slapstick or whatever I don't even think slapstick is the right word because like there are elements of this that are quite slapstick but so much of the rest of it it is like um, it's melancholic as fuck as oh a... god like I, I'm getting to, I'm getting to that <laughs> yeah but what is astonishing about this is like it's Keaton himself like because you know I only I've only ever seen like clips of him or like gifs of him or photographs of him or like the legacy of him so like whenever you actually spend a whole movie with him you really see like his whole like his genius like you know the 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 sheer the our girl is looking very relieved no but like it is and it's it's like you just watch you going like oh, I don't understand these people that are like this brilliant you know what I mean and like I mean so much of it is his face like he like he's just he doesn't look like anyone else he he doesn't even have like a classic movie face because um what's her name uh marion mac has a very 20s face yeah. you know what i mean like she's a very 20s performance and you know everyone else in the movie like it's they're not like overacting it's not a bad performance or whatever but it's very 20s he does not have a, a look of any era like he looks like an alien like in a good way but he has this like like that's what of... Roger Ebert said in his review. Like, I'm just quoting, interrupting. He looks like an alien? No, he said that Buster Keaton seems like a time traveler in this movie, that he just came from, like, modern filmmaking and just sat there he with all the knowledge of filmmaking yeah. and all the knowledge of performance and just sat there and made it, like, in, the made it in the 20s. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's like a merchant. But he just, he has this, like, we, like this calm and, like, it's like, like grace or something or like or what's the word um i he just he just has this like weird like and it, it's always strange because like you are so used to chaplin and then the legacy afterwards of like the weird you know and you think speak as well like not maybe so much in the 20s because this is like what 20 you know 1926 but like of how when like initially when movies were like filmed plays and that especially in the silent era because like there was no sound so you know 
these were all theater actors, so you were projecting, acting, acting all the time. And you even see that, like even when you were saying about like in the way of like the the Chaplin comedy and how he's like nudging to the like there's a real like natural naturalistic style to Keaton that's like it's bizarre almost because you're watching it and he's doing all these mental mental shit like you know it's he's it's like mission impossible he's hanging off the edge of fucking trains and like you know he's like it's like <laughs> the scene where he's like um i think it's after he's fired the cannon or he, yeah. the cannon's about to go off so he's like you know obviously afraid so he's like hanging on the very front of the train and he's just there like you know po- he's just chilling on the front of the train and the train's just going and you're like what are you doing it's like it just seems insane but he's so calm that it like i don't it's a it's a it's an almost an odd experience like um like there's a weird i don't know like he has such a like a subtlety to him that is like fascinating to watch um i think as well though i think we sort of said it is that um like really importantly like this movie is really cinematic and I like the and I know like saying that something cinematic is is stupid, but like it, it even just what I was saying about like you know the staginess and how like this could have you know easily been felt stagey, but there's such like an expanse to like and again made me think of Renoir because there are so many very very wide shots um, outside where like you know there's however many extras in the background and like mental shit is going on and he's just there like on in his train you know and like it, you really feel as if you're outdoors like and it's it's just it's incredible like it's um like the 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 world around him feels very real yeah and like everywhere he goes feels very real and it has a real like 20s america feel to it kind of in the way that um it happened one night did yeah. but even more so because that that has that like 30s like stagey lighting and whereas it's also this kind is of interesting that this is a period piece in the 20s yeah, as well. like but it doesn't feel like a like a you know it doesn't feel like a like stagey period piece yeah. so you know what i mean like i don't know a whole lot about civil war uniforms or anything or like the the set design or whatever but like just the look of it is as somebody that has has a knowledge of it there's only one that i picked out one hour in the entire movie in the sense of the fact things. that you could pick up on these things what's the error ricardo the error is that at uh, one point his brother-in-law is getting on the train and he has a medal yeah and the southern soldiers uh, the southern army did not have a a, a medal system because they uh, they had the idea that everybody were heroes because they were fighting like in their idea they were fighting for their own cause and liberty mm. so the the biggest honor you could have was to be named in the general's dispatches like that you were individually yeah. named as worth a, more than a medal it was worth more of than a medal because if everybody are heroes because that was the propaganda you can't single somebody out for being the medal of honor or whatever because mm. then it makes everybody else lesser and the like uh which is like ironically makes sense, but it is the stuff. <laughs> yeah, the, the, that is something we have to talk about. That this, yeah. the, they are southerners, and there's an interesting yeah, play why, there. Like yeah. that's it. Like I did mention my opening there about it, but go go on on yeah. your arguments um, because <laughs> yeah, like, I think there 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 is a real like authenticity and kind of realism to this, um, even as a civil war movie. And like I say, that as someone who doesn't know, I like I mean of all the wars. Um, <laughs> Of all the wars that American we've American Civil War, let's say. Of we've, of we, like we, Michael Collins doesn't show up. <laughs> I don't think about that war either. Um, <laughs> sacrilege. Um, I've seen Michael Collins a couple of times. I have actually seen it as well. 
Um, uh, yeah, I think you kind of talked about it as well about how um, how little he uses like um, uh, not title cards like um, like. Well, it is text cards, whatever they used to be called they're title cards. Like, so they're kind of like subtitles, I suppose, yeah. really. Um, but how infrequently he uses them, but you're never confused. And the fact as well is that like they are, their minds are moving. And like after a while, I started giving them voices. Yeah. Which is funny because I'd never done that before in a silent movie. Like we're literally, especially whenever he's like talking to her and like talking to, um, oh, who was it he was talking to? Oh, whenever they're, they're actually out, you know, where he's there with the cannons and everything and yeah. your man's on the horse talking to him. And I was like giving him a Southern voice, you know, and like in my head, I don't know. I can't quite remember what voice I gave Buster Keaton. It was something weird. I think it might have been David Bowie. Um, but I'm just, I don't know. He just, <laughs> um, that's why when you see had a gravelly voice, I'm just like, no. Wait, wait, David Bowie would have been a fucking brilliant Buster Keaton for like a biopic like back in the day. Like if you're talking like the skinniness and the weird shaped face and everything in the eyes. I was thinking of someone else though who looks really weird who, oh, some young actor. And I was like, he would be so fucking perfect for Buster Keaton. And I can't remember who it was. Someone who looks really weird. Um, yeah, it's a mo- it's a film of like lots of like small little moments as well, yeah. like you know, particularly between him and her, and like even like that's some of my favorite parts of this are when either he's by himself or where he- he's interacting with her, because um, I do think that like I think part of part of it that didn't completely come together for me was because I watched it in such a kind of a fractured yeah. way that the middle started to kind of oh, the middle is the best bit of the movie, mm. like that, that's... not okay, no, not the middle kind of like the second chase parts of the second chase started to lag a little bit for me because it's, they're it, quite long and it's, I think it's because the first chase is was so longer great. in yours maybe because it, it felt like he was on a train running away or towards things for a very long time and that started to get yeah I think that is it because it took so long for him to get to the actual like the like the where the, the where are they the house like in he's, the, he's the under the table yeah yeah like uh, in the position whatever yeah, the whatever occupied the, position yeah, the whatever north, it is. yeah. Um, yeah it took it, felt, it took a long time to get to that like, so that it started that's like about 20 minutes yeah see I, I think I just watched a really bad version yeah. of it which so probably if I just watched the 77 because even whenever I then watched the second part of it on yeah. the I was like whoa it's over what you know what I mean no no so, it's like you literally blink and it's over yeah kind yeah, of yeah film, okay so. don't watch the longer one because it the, the first part of it overstays its welcome and it's you just it's it's annoying because like it's so good but it just starts to it's also the fact that the musically the reason that they have so many musicians in it because also being a silent movie that uh, like music like it's playing music wall to wall pretty much is that the music really develops within the film and if you have the wrong thing is that it's really telling you stuff about the character so like the when the locomotion theme kicks in it just like brings you up and you're like <laughs> moving like a locomotive like I'm moving Ricardo, my arms like a locomotive Ricardo is currently moving like a train yeah like you did the train dance that you're like dance but like god I love this movie like <laughs> what you were saying about like when he gets to the house and he hides under the table like the, the genius of staging of oh the under the table is great uh, like the way of like presenting every little thing and when your man is burning the <laughs> the cloth on the on the table and you see the his eye through the hole and then his view through outside of the hole like cinematically you go it took another 30 years for them to try to do something similar even look at hitchcock 
And it yeah. doesn't feel as modern as this does. But there's just so much coverage. Yeah. I was watching it and it's just like... But that's the thing. It's so many shots. But the thing is that it's not coverage as per se. Oh, no, no. I don't mean not in the... Like, not in the... Just for audience. Better. There's more setups uh, than most most other films, let's say. But it was setups that he knew exactly... Like, almost like the Coen brothers. No, no. They're they're very precise. Like, they feel completely natural. It doesn't feel overshot or overedited at all. Like, no, not like that. It's just like, from a filmmaking standpoint, and and the fact of how expensive film was... even and like, that how big the cameras were and that they're on a fucking train when you, when you like, think about like how wet it gets when they go in the rain the lightning yeah, storm like, and the what? bear in the yeah fucking... why is there a bear i was watching it and i was like wait is that a what it's a bear and like, it's like but it's going from pitch black to like light going in and then pitch black and you're thinking about how fucking El Zorro <laughs> shot like, in the fifties for TV that was like day for night. Yeah. Even like Platoon in the eighties didn't do night scenes that felt like night scenes like this even did. The rain is crazy. Yeah. And like it's just it's it's the practical of, of like even the of draw it. on lightning and then it blows up the tree is like fucking it just shocks you back. It has a real texture. This movie. Yeah. And I yeah, think yeah. that. But even like when you're looking from the beginning to uh, at the end, like the the moment this movie really got me was not because it was like laugh out loud funny, but really got the character of the of Johnny Gray mm. is when he's trying to enlist and he can't enlist and oh, they won't God, tell him why. Oh God, that's so funny. And there's like <laughs> such a like the number one how he plans to like overrun everybody to be the first one in line <laughs> and he keeps and the little hat and then oh. even at the end that there's the callback of him like using the hat to hide. When then he suddenly yeah and, oh uh, I love that yeah. <laughs> saluting like he's just saluting everybody while kissing I like so. how much they kiss yeah. it's so cute I was watching it and I was like yes they're kissing a lot for the 1920s aren't they like well know. it's before the like at that time you could well. show nudity in films oh yeah that's true the, but the it's color. so it's just so funny because you're just like whoo you know what I mean that's like it's, what's so weird about him is that like he looks so weird but he's also kind of handsome yeah and it's like he has I think it's the personality something and everything. like you know it, it, the the moment that is always personified as uh, the Buster Keaton moment is when he's sitting on the train and oh, the train yeah. starts moving, and it's that little sad face that oh. he has. Like he has this melancholy about him that even when he's being the hero, he knows he's not really, like yeah. as, as good as he wishes to be. And that's the genius of Buster Keaton, that he creates heroes, but the heroes are never the the like never know that they're heroes and they mm. always think that they could do better so like they always are disappointed by their own action and surprised when their actions uh, are rewarded mm. and i think that that gives like a kind of kind sincerity, sincerity yeah. and love for the characters that even though like, he's a fucking southerner and i'm like on his side yeah and his, his, his lady she's, i mean she's not she's not really a great prize yeah. you know i mean like she's only in it for the uniform like, <laughs> like i think that in a way uh it's uh, something that i did call upon when we were talking about a film that he liked a lot less uh which was oh, what a lovely war the idea ah. of the uh <laughs> that at that time Historically, the people that weren't uh, involved in the war, no matter what reason, they were looked 
down upon by women because they oh we, yeah the propaganda yeah, yeah. for women is like your part to play in the war it's to support force the men boys, to yeah. go not only support it's but, to yeah, force yeah, yeah. people guilt, to guilt, go guilt, 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 yeah. to go but i think for it's the king and country that once she realizes that what he's doing even before she realizes that he's not there just to free her that originally he started with the just the train i mean you get that general back that like it has uh, um a real sense like of pride to what they're doing and i think that the choice of using the south i think is clever mm. if not kind of problematic but at the same time is that it is yeah. problematic for reasons that the film doesn't deal with, which is obviously why the South went to war. But also, uh, when you think... In 1926, though. Yeah, but the the problem, the problem when dealing with that war in particular is that there is an overview of what the war was versus what the people that fought the war actually were. Mm. And I think that uh, that's the only reason why I don't have a problem with this movie in that way, sense. Is that like if it is that you're dealing with a general and stuff? Okay, fair enough. But the thing is that people, the normal that people who actually fought. fought the war, like slave owners, uh, were like the South in particular had a, a program that uh, the North also had when conscription came in, came in that you could pay somebody else to go into the army for your. <laughs> so like in the war that was populated by. Like poor people and Not immigrants slave and owners, whatever. Yeah, yeah and it's like, <laughs> even in the South, there was a lot of people that joined the army because the North invaded the South. Yeah. And their ideas, like Robert E. Lee, who was like the leader of the Virginia army, uh, he said, oh yeah, I, I'm against slavery, even though he was a slave owner. Uh, so like the myth of Robert E. Lee is really skewed to one side because... It was created. Well, you by... know how Americans uh, are <laughs> but, curiously good at uh, fudging their history. But like he was uh, offered the command of the entire army of the North mm. before, like right before the war kicked off. And the only reason that he didn't take is that he couldn't invade Virginia as a Northerner. Mm. And this, the idea well, of state, like rights, state, state pride and like even the fact that like these were people that literally never left their yeah. towns never left their villages or whatever they'd never seen any of the rest of the country they didn't know what the north was like that you know yeah. it was yeah like it, it's it is very interesting and like i think the idea of this is a period piece in, the, in 1926 is really interesting and how like how they render it like it's it's and it's also like the fact that like this really renders correctly how why most of the people were fighting for what they were fighting is that ironically even though like the evils it is it, the opposite like that's why it's less problematic as a war depicting the other side as let's say world war Two with the nazi side because ideology was so much in the forefront of the fascist regimes mm. or whatever is that uh obviously they were living in a very corrupt society and all of them to the man was a racist mm. like even if there were like good white people of that are they still looked down upon black people but it's like it's the same in the north at that time that you had the black battalions is like you're not like they still have white leaders because a black person couldn't run the it's kind of the also the white washington history that the north was perfect going down yeah. And also is the fact that a lot more because of education, etc., that the nor a lot more northern soldiers were joined by the ideology, mm. and there's a like for like uh, swap that is not really fair for southern soldiers when it comes to it because a lot of southern soldiers, number one, didn't have the education to know 
what the fuck was actually going on. Mm. And number two is the fact that there a lot of them, even though obviously the state rights uh, idea is kind of uh, blown away by uh, the fact that uh, the first uh, state to see, which is North Carolina, said that it was because mm-hmm. of slavery. But uh, Lincoln didn't show in the ballot. It's not that people didn't vote. Is that he didn't show in the ballot in seventeen of the state, like in ten of the states that seceded. Mm. Like he got so few votes. It's just the population growth was so big in the north that there was a lot of people that were like, yeah, the South needs to be we change or whatever. But you can't be part of a country that even if you don't, nobody votes for this guy, he still can be president mm. because of the population change because of like the very famous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a fucking the what's the voting system in america called electoral again? college yeah the electoral college that it's like by population votes whatever mm. but it, i think that because none of these characters are slave owners uh none of those characters are shown whatever, no well, they're all really... they're, just, they're all normal people like it's all very yeah. low level like but again it's kind of like they're on the wrong side of history but at the uh, yeah. same time you can't whitewash and saying that you can't have a story about these characters without yeah and again kind of it's 1926 so you know but part of it as well they're gonna get a small amount of leeway there the keaton said that the reason that he chose that because number one it was like based on a real like short story or whatever and it was like kind of inspired by real life really but, yeah yeah like uh but what it, yeah yeah chattanooga uh like the battle that happened it happened and it was like a oh, were spy. people chasing each other on trains yeah really but it was like one chase up and down like it was one guy that uh i want to like, chase somebody on a locomotive that's so fun but uh, like from and a my, bike from my understanding is that he chased down <laughs> <laughs> i love that so much like, he chased down somebody like uh not for just a locomotive it was because of secrets because he knew that there were spies and then he had to go back to the lines to tell what happened. Obviously, Buster Keaton really blew it out of proportion. <laughs> no. Uh, but I think I read in an interview that the reason that he chose that is that the idea of uh, somebody that is an engineer in the South at the time gave him a position that was a lot more importance to the war effort than if you were a northerner mm. because there were a lot more technical minded employees factory workers or whatever that you could just put it in charge uh, of a locomotive so you're kind of in short supply yeah, yeah that's why like he goes that i had in to... a way he was kind of more important that he just didn't realize it. yeah and it's like otherwise if the only other way that if you put a northerner is like oh yeah he's a factory worker but then it's not you can't have a train chase on it (laughs) you what i love about keaton is that it's you really see uh that you don't necessarily see with any other filmmaker of the era with the exception perhaps of dw griffith because he kind of invented the language of cinema Mm. is how much the the rim the the ripples of his like rock that fell in the pond just goes through time mm. how different filmmakers pick up what he started and just develop it for the, their era like we mentioned bill murray but like there's so Where many actors Anderson that are is, uh... just like and that's why i love also um 
Rushmore because mm. both Bill Murray and Jason Schwartzman are doing Buster Keaton. Yeah. And it's kind of two generations so doing just, it. Yeah, yeah. While it's a director that loves Buster Keaton and doing everything, oh, even God. the staging and stuff. That Wes Anderson thing is so dead on. Even to the fact that he has a train movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and that's the thing with Keaton as well. That, like every one of his films have the same quality as this has. Mm. Like they're very different. But like Sherlock Jr. nearly picked it because like the story is so complex mm. for a silent movie. That is like about a guy that gets accused, like a cinema uh, projectionist who gets accused, like he buys a four dollar. Is this after or before now? Before, it's like 1924, I think. He, like in uh, Sherlock Jr. is that he buys a, a box of chocolates for this girl and he's ashamed that he can only afford a one dollar box of chocolates like he writes the price down that's a four dollar thing mm. and the guy the other guy that wants to marry this girl first uh, of all i don't think it was one dollar and four dollars but anyway no it was one dollar and four dollars okay and then the the other guy goes <laughs> and uh robs a watch of the girl's father and pawns it for four dollars and buy her buys her a three dollar box of chocolate and gives it to her as well and when he the father realizes that he's been robbed he gives the voucher of four dollars into the pocket of buster keaton mm. so because he faked that it was four dollars uh, whatever but the thing is that he imagines that he's sherlock holmes <laughs> to try to like fucking deal with this crime and you, like it's already complicated just to talk about like yeah. the, w- what it is there's like a movie within a movie within a movie in silent era that you don't even have transitions through sound and he's able to do it it's not as complete a picture as the general that's why i picked the general mm. but it's a funnier picture as well so it's kind of like um <laughs> And more melancholic because he, he plays like that's the thing is that the tramp is the the guy that is meant to be the loser but always wins. Yeah. But why Buster Keaton he's is cheery. the he's just a loser. Yeah. Like he sometimes wins as well. Like he doesn't always he, win. He's so, almost like, like he kind of reminded me of um of a little bit of like Curtis Mackey as well and yeah. that kind of like downtrodden and melancholy but not sad just yeah. just a little bit. It's the, yeah, yeah Curtis Mackey is clearly co- like, but that's yeah. the the weird way of Curtis Mackey is that Curtis Mackey took all the us took out of Keaton and just like <laughs> just distilled it, it just distilled that, but without like calling to Keaton, it was like I just. It's like putting Keaton's beep, comedy into Ozu kind of thing. It's like... Uh, <clears throat> yeah, there's many dots. <laughs> yeah, but it's the genius of... And like, it, 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 that's the thing that uh, it always surprises me of uh, watching a Buster Keaton movie is that when you watch something like Scorsese or Kurosaki and like Tarkovsky and all these great filmmakers mm. that or Kurosawa or Ozu or whatever, they're, they, that they're... Like grabbing the ball of another filmmaker mm. and just bringing it this along. Guy... This guy, like, <laughs> he invented the ball. Like, oh, you know. <laughs> he's lit the torch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it is insane. It just, it's the fact that, like, not only is he directing this and creating it, it's that he is also performing it. It's like, it's, you know, and even when we're talking about, like, Renoir or whatever, it's like, I mean, obviously, that's, you know, he's, he's a genius, but. He wasn't acting, <laughs> you know what I mean? He wasn't like physically performing, like you know, because Keaton's in every almost like every <laughs> frame of this. Like it's yeah. just 
Oh. And it's what makes it. And it's surprising as well that he's able to get so much character. Like, even the relationship between the father, the, the brother-in-law, and the girl. Yeah. Like, with so much economy, you be, you know who the guy is. The, yeah. Like, exactly. You can, you can the, hear their voices. Yeah. And uh, it, it always gives me a smile on my face. And it, not only in the sense, like that you're saying about genius or whatever that you know how sometimes i said uh, it's kind of depressing when you see somebody that is so good at their job that you're like oh yeah, fuck i'll never be but with him he's so in another league that yeah. you're just like uh, you just stand in awe and he came it, from another planet it, it, it's like the mozart of filmmaking that is just like taking modern really modern context Do you think we peaked too soon like with keaton that was so no, I don't think so because they, like there's that was a joke. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, though. It's like when you think of these like early masters, and you're just like, Pfft. yeah. But at the same time, it's like it's what I always say about culture when it comes to music, and people go like, oh, music nowadays is shit. It's like, come on, like there was still shit music in the sixties or whatever. Oh, yeah, is yeah. That we just don't the, remember it. Yeah, like the, wake up, little Susie, wake up, boom, 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 boom. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's amazing music. And I love the fucking Everly Brothers. And that's Everly Brothers. But... Yeah, I did not get that. <laughs> no, that was no crack on your singing. I just don't really know much about the Everly Brothers. Yeah, like, but, like it's, that was like a number one hit for months. And it was like just a piece of shit music. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like it's it's funny that... Like the chipmunks. Saying... The chipmunks no, fucking... I... The chipmunks took the fucking Beatles out of the... I think you are right. <laughs> All right, Alvin. Um, I think you're right. Right, but at the same time, I remember, I think it was whenever we were doing um, Good Friends of the Pod, Claire and Sean's uh, <laughs> wedding video thing, and uh, I wanted to go back and get, like, songs from the, the two years that they were born, and I went back and looked at the chart from, like, 1988 or whatever it was, and I was just like, oh my and god. you have the nostalgia of the 80s of music and stuff, and I mean, but like, it's the funny bad good things there were, there were fucking classics you know like faith and you know yeah. what i mean and then like you kind of you go down the top tens and you're like oh sweet mother jesus the, you yeah, know it's I, like the 90s is the same if you like even when you have like good shit music like is, five or Backstreet boys yeah, but, but then it, it you is, have like fucking it is 98 um, degrees there are there are like various scientific studies though that are show that music is less diverse and more derivative these days I, because, I and that's our an, fault apparently I, I kind of annoyed that you didn't appreciate then in an episode about Buster Keaton, I mentioned 98 degrees. Oh, no, it was impressive. Yes. It was impressive. Got there. Yeah, well, I got a little bit of, you know, like George Michael in there. Like, we're, we're, we're like, <laughs> after last week's incredibly tangent filled episode, but these are all relevant tangents because we're talking about eras and time and culture and the passage of time and how time is a flat circle. But um, when you think about that, we're running into our 20s, like, uh, in this century and this millennium like you're talking think, about our ages and i was like Ricardo, we're on the back end of that <laughs> to think of um how film would have changed or whatever visual arts are in a hundred years time yeah and i wonder how much of buster keaton's legacy will stay there uh, and i think that uh, no matter what art form it's taken it'd be a be it video game narrative video games still have like the same storytelling like any visual medium really has the the legacy of these great masters at the time even theater has changed to mm. a company incorporate like, yeah. certain elements yeah and i think that <clears throat> it's the the wonderful thing and i think it's the the worthwhile thing of looking back into uh 
times before, but also it's weird to realize that these were people as well, and they were shooting in color. As in, like, oh, in the yeah. background, it's there's so, sound. It's there, there's so mm. hard. And, like, as they're talking, there is sound. That's why I really want to hear his voice. You yeah. know what I mean? I want to, like... No, but it's, it's so weird to think that it's, like, he lived in a color world. world yeah. And he, like, they're talking... When he was giving direction to the camera, Mike, he's like, can you do this with the camera? And That's do why this I really want to see like, that, you know, incredibly weird mashup with him and feckin', uh, what's his Oh, Samuel Beckett. Really oh, my God. It's amazing. That. Wait, wait. Let me, let me just get see, the name of the thing. I want to see him talk. Uh, the Buster Keaton film with Samuel Beckett is called <laughs> Film. <laughs> Apt. Um, yeah, well, definitely looking that up. Um, From 1966, like seconds. Oh, good year. Good vintage. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> do you have any, any closing comments now before we go to... Um, to favorite things and by that i mean we're going to favorite things now no like uh, i'm just <laughs> glad that you enjoyed that it was very nervous oh no because, i so. no no i did um like i did get a bit frustrated with it in the middle but like part of that was just logistics and it because i had to watch two movies this week as well and it was like yeah. a whole second thing and um yeah like it was just uh well, like uh, i i hope that you watched the, the other one and i hope that it has given you the the thirst to watch more keaton as well oh, because he's uh, an absolute uh, genius absolutely like i really like the, the, the whole thing is him like it really it really is uh, and it, it, it is true that it did age very well which is astonishing like i like the chase scenes like it really feels like propulsive in a way that a locomotive does yeah it, like it's very apt that he chose a locomotive to just, be the chasing it makes me think of like every movie i've ever seen with like a train chase even like i'm thinking of something like anastasia the animated yeah. thing which we brought up before and how like it has a thing on a train on a fucking bridge as well where it explodes and i was like <laughs> yeah and the locomotive falling down it was like yeah. an actual locomotive in the battle scene like very it's called back by Sergio Leone in the good the bad and the ugly when they're like crossing the river yeah uh, and even the train falling down it's uh, mirrored in the the bridge on the river Kwai which is yeah. another great film uh, and future pick and uh, <laughs> only three hours long oh jeez yes uh, but yeah what's your favorite thing about this movie Buster Keaton <laughs> I mean like come on now. <laughs> well you had to give it to the man the director produced uh, uh, yeah wrote. see I, I think probably my favourite thing is Buster Keaton as um editor <laughs> uh, yeah no I mean like the man is the movie like it's it's just and uh, it is funny like sometimes you think that you know like when you watch people in old movies and like you know the old film stock and everything that somehow it gives them a certain gravitas or whatever but then whenever you watch a really bad classic movie and you're like yeah. no <laughs> in the same way of music that no there were really were bad movies yeah and like the you know i think that your sort of nostalgic haze will only go so far and the good thing about silent movies is that i don't really have that nostalgic yeah. for it because i didn't grow up with them i didn't really watch many of them it wasn't until I went to college and became a snob. So, <laughs> um, yeah, like it, it's it's just, it's a, it is a fascinating, just like, oh, yeah, I really do want to watch it again because it's so rich. Like, it's just so much there. So, uh, Ricardo, what's your favorite thing? Uh, it's Buster Keaton as well. Like, there, there's no uh, way about it because everything that comes from this movie, from the pacing to the shots to everything, it comes from him. Mm. And I think that it goes into that... Uh, like one of the few auteurs of cinema that you can say that is an auteur because every single film that he did no matter what team was behind him was the same quality and the same kind of approach to filmmaking mm. um 
the 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 way that you're talking about gravitas and stuff like it's interesting as well like um oh yeah never mind that you love posters look at the fucking original poster of this movie from 1926 is that the is that the super weird painted one yeah yeah the blue background and like so bizarre he he looks like he has a sailor suit on for some reason it looks even more martian like than he does in real life but like uh i i think that he he's uh like everything about buster keaton is great and uh, i think that it's a shame that he is kind of forgotten in many ways um compared to Chaplin and yeah, stuff. To yeah, Chaplin is much more, um, which is kind of sad. And it's Not sad. to diminish tw- Chaplin, but... That even film buffs Also a like... babe. Also a babe. Yeah. Uh, even with his dodgy eyes. <laughs> Babes of, <laughs> of silent cinema. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking Norla Magnolia's fucking magazine. Like, two issues before it folds. <laughs> but... Hey, no. Hey, no. But... <gasps> I could do babes of particular eras, babes of the seventies. <laughs> fucking just, just Robert, Robert Redford. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my god, he was such a babe. Sorry, go on. Then um, I lost my tra- train of thought. Uh, hey. <laughs> I'm quite sad that there weren't more puns. To be honest. Uh, okay, let's. Ricardo's a bit tired. Um, okay, well. <laughs> well, I, I was just afraid of being shot down. Oh. <laughs> anyways, you would have edited my masterpieces, anyways. That's um, what I do. <clears throat> so, what was your least favorite thing besides not watching the correct version of the movie? Oh yeah, it's that. It's that I didn't. I just didn't have enough time this week to properly, like, you know, because once I'd sort of fucked it up, I should have. If I'd had time, I would have just stopped it and started again. Well, proper... at least it's better than you fucking watching the Jenna with Blair and Gleason from nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> that would have been hilarious if you were sitting. Yeah, down. but I mean, if I hadn't noticed literally until we sat down, like that time I watched the wrong. <laughs> No, I watched the wrong movie. But well, like, technically, but, but I watched the right movie. Uh, like. Yeah, yeah, future pick. Yes. Um. Uh. Yeah. So that was the general. Well, from... like I don't have. Oh, least sorry. Things. Okay. Well, what was your least favorite thing? I suppose that like uh, the southern things, even though it makes sense narratively wise, it's kind of. Uh, anything of that, but it's the, like context of time and place as well. Always plays as a part. You can't. Like, if you have an objection with anything about how we view the world now, you can't really watch anything from the past because, mm. like, either, like, the filmmakers were dodgy or the film itself is dodgy in some way, be it misogynism, sexism, whatever. So I think that there's no issue about enjoying those movies as long as you call attention to the issues that, that they you're aware. ignore. Yeah. Like, the same way that something like fucking... French Connection is completely misogynistic and racist. Doesn't stop being a brilliant movie, but he can't. Dude, like things from like five years ago, and you're watching them, and yeah. you're like, "Oh God," <laughs> you know. It's yeah, like, but oh. but like as long as if it is great, like he like one of my favorite directors, two of my favorite directors, Stanley Kubrick and David Lean. I was Lean, gonna say, and they're Stanley like Kubrick. two of the worst fuckers ever. <laughs> like David Lean, famously, like in Doctor Shivago, a woman, an extra, fucking gets her legs chopped off by a train, and he just. As soon as they drag her away, he goes, "Oh, just get the blood out of the of the fake snow and let's shoot it again." Like no fucking Wait, time. What? Like she actually got her legs chopped off? Yeah, and it's in the film. Like she's like the scene is that she has to like put a kid into like a train 
cart or whatever like she's running next to the train with like a kid and with uh, right after she gives the kid to like the person she slips and her legs went under the train and the train run over her legs so they just went and go like oh yeah we had to shoot the exterior no no she just got her two legs amputated and on that note um Uh, yeah, so that was the general from 1926. Yes. Thank you, Ricardo. You're welcome. Thank yeah. you. Like, I'm very glad I'm a, that no, you enjoyed I'm, it. I'm a Keaton fan now. That's good. I'm two for two lately for uh, like the, the. Yeah, yeah. I'm on a wave. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, yes, yeah, so Orla, what's uh, your pick for next week? It's a French movie. Oh, I am shocked. But it's from the 80s. I think 1980. I'm sure. Um, it's my American uncle, whatever the fuck that is in French, with uh, Gerard Depardieu. Le American so, uncle. <laughs> probably. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, like, I mean. Where they can find us, Orla? They can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game, on Twitter at The Rec Game, on Gmail, The Recommendation Game at gmail.com. You can also find us on the Dublin Digital Radio uh, Mixcloud and on Dublin Digital Radio at 11 to 12 on Mondays. And, um,. By the time this airs, we will uh, we will know whether or not you voted. So um, shame on you if you haven't. And yay! I hope we're celebrating a victory. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. So on that lighthearted note, uh, <laughs> I was Ricardo Deacon. <laughs> I was Ordo Magnus. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>